I know that there are a lot of school leaders out there who are looking to share their voice out with the masses, who, like me, have a lot of things to say about education. Well, if you haven't heard about Anchor, let me tell you a little bit. Anchor is free. And the great thing about Anchor is there's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. The other great thing about Anchor is that it will distribute your podcast for you so you can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimal listenership. And it's everything you need right in one area to make your podcast. It's great. So if you're curious about how to start your own podcast and share your voice with the masses, then download the free Anchor app today or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Welcome to the Educating on Purpose podcast. This is the podcast designed to provide educators with practical strategies for empowering students and educating with a purpose. I'm your host, Brandon House. What's up, everybody? This is Brandon here, and I have a very special treat today. I know that uh, right now we are going through some tough times in the world with the, the coronavirus and Uh, Everybody's a little bit stressed out, but I thought it would be fun to play a little bit of a game today on the podcast. So uh, you might hear a little bit of a different side from me, uh, and you also might hear a new voice today. Today, I have on the podcast the lovely, the best wife, the best mother on the face of the planet. And I'm not saying that just because she's sitting right next to me. I'm saying that because I actually mean it. I have with me my wife, Elizabeth. Say hello. Hi, everyone. So I have my wife, Elizabeth, because uh, one thing that I'd like to share with everybody is that, um, you know, Elizabeth and I, we both share a passion for uh, education. And not only that, more specifically, we share a passion for urban education. And so uh, early er, in our lives, before we had kids, we were both in education. My wife now stays at home with our kids, but uh, she is also a licensed clinical social worker. And so she worked at a, a school, a couple of schools uh, in her career. And uh, I thought it would be fun for her to jump on the podcast because we're going to do something fun. Um, but before we do that, I just thought it would be cool just for a quick second, just uh, Elizabeth, why don't you just share a little bit about yourself, a little bit about what you've done in education, and then uh, we'll jump into the fun game that we're going to play. Okay. Uh, you literally I'm putting, didn't tell me. I'm putting me her on the spot right Exactly. Now. You didn't tell me to prepare a about me section. I'm like, I don't, this, what is you, a, what this is a part of the game. What in the world? A uh, little bit about me. I got nothing. What you want? Um, don't know. Tell us about uh, the types of schools that you've worked in. Uh, tell us a little bit about, you know, your main priority as a licensed cl- clinical social worker. Gotcha. Okay. So, I, like you said, I worked in two different schools. 
Uh, one was a very urban school. It was about 95% uh, free and reduced lunch. And uh, yeah, it was in a pretty rough neighborhood, a lot of violence, a lot of things going on. And then I transitioned over into almost the complete opposite where uh, for one year I worked actually at a Catholic school in a pretty wealthy area. So two very different experiences. Uh, but kind of a common thread as a social worker is constantly finding the kids who are struggling probably in their home life or uh, just in their you know in their family and helping them figure out how to cope with that and then also helping give the families the resources that they need to succeed so I guess my approach as a social worker is always to be a little bit more holistic and I think that's a lot of times what separates social workers from traditional counselors or therapists is we don't just look at the mental health side of things. We also look at holistically what's affecting the child. We look at the neighborhood. We look at the family. We look at the community. We look at uh, the environment in the classroom. We look at literally everything versus just, okay, let's just address mental health. And obviously we address mental health as well, but we really like to see how many of those points we can really address to make a more holistic change. I think you bring up a great great point about a holistic change and just thinking holistically about the child i think that's something that um you know we really believe in here on the educate on purpose podcast obviously that's the the reason for the name is that we want to make sure that we are educating students on purpose and that may mean that we're not necessarily teaching them uh reading and writing and arithmetic but we are also teaching them important social and life skills. So um, we'll probably have you back on the podcast to talk more about uh, the life of a school social worker. But now we are going to play a fun little game. Are you ready for this? <laughs> I don't know. You he, Okay, people, listen. He didn't give me any information before coming on this podcast, so I really don't know what's happening. You, so you, I just want y'all to know that right now. You can't know any information. <laughs> it has to be genuine. Mm, it has to be... Yes. <laughs> organic <laughs> so here we go this is how we are going to play this game so before we started the podcast i asked elizabeth to write down uh, some of her biggest uh, or most embarrassing moments our biggest fails as an educator i guess you could say are crazy things that have just happened in education so here's what's going to happen uh, she has at least five different uh, epic fails that have happened to her or have happened to her students listed on a piece of paper. I have the same. And so I will call out a number, just a random number, and she is going to recall that story and just share the story. Now, what she doesn't know is after she's done sharing the story, then she's going to look for the silver lining. Now, what you need to know about me as a, a person is that I am an eternal optimist and I love looking for the happy ending in everything. I, I That's just who I am. So um, I think it would be fun just to take some time to, to not make fun of or to not take ourselves too seriously, but just to look at, you know, the, the funny things that can happen in education and just uh, enjoy the the jobs that we do and even though sometimes we don't do it perfectly we are still doing it the best that we can and so uh, this is just going to be a fun podcast where we just share some of the crazy things that have happened to us as as educators and then also just sharing what we've learned from that experience so are you ready elizabeth <laughs> i'm about as ready as i'm gonna be <laughs> this is great <laughs> all right so you've got five things you, who wants to go first you want me to go first or you go first 
you go first. You you start us off. So you want show us how it's gonna be done. Okay, so you're gonna pick a number for mine. Yeah. Okay, so pick a number one through five, and uh, we'll we'll see how this goes. All right, do number two. <laughs> number two, you must have you must have read this right I off the bat. I didn't read anything. I'm over here minding my business. <laughs> okay, so. <laughs> So um, I can't. Even, I don't even know if I can tell these stories without cracking up. But um, so I had, I, I taught fifth grade for almost seven years. I think it was seven years. And so, uh, in my experience, I've had quite the range of personalities in my classroom. Uh, in in this personality, in in this classroom, this particular school year, I had a student who uh, definitely was all he was either all into the lesson or he was not in the lesson at all so he was either completely focused and didn't want anything to distract him or he wanted so he did he wanted nothing to do with the lesson at all he was focused on something else he could never keep his attention on one specific thing for too long and so that meant that i had to have these really engaging you know crazy out of the box lessons and what i figured out for this student in particular was that um, they loved stuffed animals. And so, yeah, believe it or not, fifth graders loving stuffed animals, having it on the desk. And I had a whole batch of stuffed animals that were on my desk. All right. And I would it, jump in on that real quick. I actually had eighth graders at my school and I would have eighth graders come to my office and regularly cuddle with the stuffed animal while they were talking. So that's just a little side note for all y'all educating, even like the older kids, they also look for comfort and they may not ever say that that's why they're there, but yeah. Yeah. So and especially for this student, this is what he needed was uh, he always needed something to comfort him. And uh, we yeah. Anyway, I could tell more about that that person later on. But uh, anyway, so this particular time, the student was having a hard time all day learning. And I told him, I said, you know what? I will let you have a stuffed animal at your desk sitting in your lap. If you can finish this assignment without moving, without talking, without doing anything else, I want to see your best focus for the next however many minutes, right? So he's working. There's a, it's an it's a independent practice. Nobody's talking. I'm just walking around making sure that everybody is, is, is doing their work. And as I walk around, I start to get this, um, uh, this peculiar smell. And I keep walking around and I kept smelling this smell and it smelled horrible, almost like <laughs> um, <laughs> almost like somebody had uh, just uh, had an upset stomach. They had uh, they had a little too much to eat and <laughs> it was a little too much of the, the wrong things to eat. And so I just kept walking around. And, you know, if you're a teacher, you know how many times in a day a child can fart and they don't tell anybody about it. <laughs> but this was this was beyond the worst <laughs> smelling fart I've ever smelled in my entire life. I'm not lying to you. And so at one point, um, you know, fifth graders, they don't know how to keep it to themselves. And one student said, oh, man, it stinks in here. Who did this? Oh, my goodness. And I just kept walking around and, you know, trying to, get down to the root of it so i'm sniffing around and trying to figure out who it is and it turns out that it's my, it's my little friend 
uh, that I had asked to stay so focused on his lesson. And uh, he was so focused on his lesson that he actually <laughs> didn't realize that he pooped his pants. Uh, <laughs> and so I had to figure out as a teacher how to get this student um, out of his seat and down to the nurse's office so he could change his uh, pants. And so, you know, impromptu, hey, everybody, uh, we're going to uh, we're going to we're going to go outside for recess. <laughs> so uh, while everybody went outside for recess, uh, I told this student I gave him a hall pass and asked him to be the last person to walk out. And uh, he ended up uh, going to the nurse and changing his clothes. But, yeah, that was that was a little crazy. Uh, <laughs> I remember the day you came home and told me that story. And you were like, so one of my fifth graders pooped his pants in class today. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. All right. It's, uh, it's your turn now. You, you know how to play the game now? I do. All right. So I'm going to go with number one, because I think number one is probably the thing that sticks out the most in your mind. So what's what's I actually think, you know, this I have a horrible memory. So it's actually not even number one. That's just like a random memory. But better things came later. But this was a time (laughs) that I was a major Mm. fail as a social worker. (laughs) Like, major fail. So I used to have to go to all the classrooms through the whole school and teach character counts. I don't even know if they even have character counts anymore. That might be, like, a decade old. But in character counts, basically, we would teach different character traits to the kids. You know, fairness and kindness and blah, 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 right? So, you know, because we had kindergarten through eighth graders, I would have to prepare lessons for K through eight. So generally speaking, I would do like my K through threes would be the same thing. My four through sixes and then my seven eights, right? Okay. So I did my K through three lesson and I'm going to do this whole, okay, I'm going to make it come real for them and I'm going to do, all right, so I'm going to have candy and I'm going to have like these six kindergartners up front with me and then I'm going to hand out candy. But then at the end, I'm going to take candy from all of them and only give it to the one kid. Now, obviously, I knew that I was going to, like, literally 30 seconds later, you know, of course, let them know, of course, I would never do that. Because why would that? That would be unfair, right? They're supposed to be getting, like, if we equally share, that would be fair. Because that was the character trait we were learning Mm -hmm. with fairness, right? You already know where this is going. I can see on your face how you know this is going. And we actually have a kindergartner right now, so I can see how this would go. At the time... I was like 24 years old, straight out of grad school, super pie in the sky, idealistic in terms of how this was going to go. We working with a bunch of five, five and six year olds. But uh, yeah, I was like, okay, it's going to be 30 seconds. They're, they're going to be, you know, they're going to be upset and they're probably all just going to declare, oh, that's unfair. Why did you take my candy away? Well, lo and behold, when I, you know, Epic lined up my six. Huh? It's an epic meltdown. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All six of them, right? I start taking away their candy, giving it to the other kid, and they're all like, what? No. Why did you take my candy? I'm like, I know. Like, I just thought that they would do better with it, right? Like, they looked like they were really hungry with the candy, you know? And I've got, like, two kids who are like, oh, man, this is so unfair. Like, stomp off, start crying to their teacher. The other ones are around me, like, tears just starts flowing down their face. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, you guys know Mrs. House. I would never do that. I'm just I'm just trying to help you understand this was not fair. I was going to give you guys the candy back. So, you know, I you make sure everyone gets the same amount of candy, blah, 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 blah. But 
I remember afterwards, their teacher was like, so I don't know if you plan on doing something like that again, <laughs> but you probably shouldn't because I that didn't really go so well. And I'm like, I know I, for whatever reason, I thought they could handle it for, you know, 30 seconds of discomfort, but that did not work mm. at all. So it was like epic failure. You know, obviously, as a mental health professional, I should have like been able to like have the foresight that this did not what go kind well. What effect did you have on that <laughs> mental health? I know, thing? right? Like it, it was epic fail for the social worker to come mm. in there and do that. Because the other problem is, like, as the social worker of the school, generally speaking, you are like the safe place, you know, for a lot of these kids, and a lot of them will come to you if anything's wrong. So for me to be the one who was like inflicting the pain on them, even though it was like thirty seconds pain. It was just bad. I should have come up with a different way to demonstrate fairness besides, you know, redistributing candy. Even if I was going to give it back, it didn't matter. Like, their little hearts were broken. They are now scarred for life. Shut up. (laughs) They're not scarred for life. I mean, they might be, but I I genuinely hope not because, you know, I did give them their candy back. There was this one time in kindergarten. (laughs) Oh, my God. Mrs. House took my candy away. Uh, so yes if you're a social worker don't do that so what did you learn from this experience first of all no you never said your silver lining from yours my silver lining is is that even when your student when you think your students don't listen to you or don't want to listen to you there's always a way they will still want to listen to you no matter what even if that means they have to poop their pants (laughs) (laughs) wow that's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, my silver lining is uh, I learned to always very carefully evaluate my lessons for the age group I'm talking to that day. You know, you can't rush through and be like, oh, it'll be fine. They can handle it. You know, just really remembering who you're talking to. So, you know, good lesson to always remember the age group that you are addressing. Because mm-hmm. even though that same lesson went fine in first, second, and third grade, Ooh, it did not in kindergarten. So <laughs> just just remembering that. Nice. Nice. All right. It is now your turn to pick a number. All right. Why don't you give me number five? Number five. Okay. Uh, <laughs> number five. So towards the end of my stint as a teacher my teaching career um, we started to have uh, kids so um, my last year of teaching we actually had our two boys and um, life as a new parent is kind of hard and life as a new parent and being a teacher is hard like educators you know that we spend most of our waking hours thinking about a fantastic lesson plan, grading papers, calling parents, solving issues. I mean, all day, every day, all we do is think about uh, what we do at work. And so it's hard doing that and also being a new parent where you have a newborn that is uh, crying at random hours of the night. And so my, I think it was my last year of teaching. I'll never forget. I, it, there, for some reason, after lunch was always the hardest time for me. I, you know, my kids would go get lunch and then I would eat my lunch and then we'd go outside for recess. And I'll never forget, I had this routine. My kids would come back in for recess and I would have them come in <laughs> and I would have them turn off. I would turn off the light and they would rest for literally two minutes. No lie. That's it. 
two minutes. Nothing else. Just two minutes. Just sit. Be quiet. You can read a book. You can close your eyes. You can go to sleep. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Just two minutes. Silence. So that way we can calm ourselves down. And that way we can get back into the whatever we're learning that day. So um, I think it worked better for me than it did for them. <laughs> <laughs> and so I remember there was one time in particular where... Um, I was uh, getting ready to teach a reading lesson after our two minute break and the lights were off and I was exhausted and I, I will never forget. I, I remember turning on the light and I walked to the front of the classroom and I started talking and I don't know what I was talking about. But I remember that my eyes were closing and I was falling forward. <laughs> and I just kept <laughs> dozing off while I was talking. And I was trying to keep my head up, but I was teaching and I was dozing off at the same time. And at some point, I think what happened was I started to dream while I was standing oh my up. Word. <laughs> and so I was dreaming about something. And so while I was teaching, I think I just said some random words. And I, what woke me up was, Mr. House, are you okay? And I, I had literally almost fallen over into a desk <laughs> for a student that was in front of me. And, like, literally, I was so exhausted that I didn't even realize that I was standing up teaching. And I was falling asleep while I was teaching. Um, and so that was uh, that was pretty crazy. I never had knew my body could um, be so exhausted. And I, yeah. So your silver lining is don't have a newborn and a brand new adopted child while you're, while you're uh, trying to teach like that's your, that's your takeaway. That is my takeaway. <laughs> don't do oh. all of that simultaneously. <laughs> Bad plans. Yeah. You know, I mean, honestly, like the, 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 the lesson we can take away from that is really it's educators. I, this is something that I'm learning in late in my career now is just self-care overall and i just think it's important that somehow if there's any way that you can help it make sure that you can find some ways that you uh, compartmentalize your personal life and your and your professional life and don't let it bleed over because self-care is important and you can't be your best self as an educator if you're not taking care of yourself so that's still a very hard lesson for me to learn but uh yeah it's, i think it's something that's important so truth that's that's my truth <laughs> Okay, I can say truth, though, because I live with you, and I know it's still a struggle for you to take hey. care of self-care. This is all I do is harass him all day long. Brandon, you have to take care of yourself. You have to take time for yourself. Wait a second. Bloody, 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 blah. Who, whose podcast is this? Whatever, man. <laughs> anyway. Um, okay, so uh, I... I chose one last time, didn't I? You said the best was in the at the end. No, okay. I just said that, you know, it wasn't necessarily the one was the best. Okay. I think let's go with number four. Okay. Oh, okay. So this was a time. Good one. Well, not necessarily. If you listeners out there possibly have someone difficult you work with, specifically a boss who may be difficult to work with you will appreciate this story so as i already mentioned you know the first school i worked at uh was a urban school and one of our biggest challenges is that we actually did not have transportation we didn't have buses 
So all the parents were expected to bring their own kids to school or a lot of our kids walked or even some of our kids took some public transportation to get to us. But either way, we didn't have school buses, which we were a charter school and we didn't have a lot of funding and blah, 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 right? So for those of you who have worked in urban environments, you know that typically attendance issues are pretty high on the list of um, a struggle for, you know, a urban school anyway, right? For all the reasons that I'm about to mention, right? Like half the time, you know, if if your transportation breaks down, you know, you're going to be obviously late for school. And if you're constantly, your parents are running out of money for gas, then you're going to have a hard time to get there. You know, all the different challenges that as a social worker, I was trying to work to address, right? I'd try to help the families with gas cards or I'd try to help them with bus cards or whatever it might be. But our attendance issues were getting out of control. We had some kids who had like 40 absences or 20 absences, either just astronomical absences, and nothing had been done about it. So I was, of course, tracking all this as a social worker, getting really concerned for a lot of my students. Some kids would be tardy every day of the school year. Like I remember halfway through the school year looking and they had like literally 80 tardies. And some of these kids were coming in two hours late for school. So you take two hours times five days a week times all those weeks we've been in school, they've missed quite a bit of their education. So, you know, I go and I present this information to the principal. And I'm like, look, this is a really big problem and we really have to address it. Well, he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll meet, we'll meet, we'll meet. I was like, okay, cool. You know, the next week continued to drop him off some information. Was like, hey, look at these numbers. We really need to address this. And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll meet, we'll meet. So then the next week came and I was like, hey, we really have to look at these issues you know, I've been bringing this to you for about a month. We need to meet. He was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So by week four, I decided to print it all up, write a letter to him with all of my concerns. Big like, look at these families. We're clearly not educating these kids. Well, he was not very happy with me that I chose to uh, be so blunt and direct with how I did not appreciate the fact that he was not addressing the issue. So I had an outside supervisor because I was a contracted in social worker. So he apparently decides to contact my direct supervisor and say, we have an issue with the social worker. She decided to write me this strongly worded letter and blah, blah, blah. And she's being insubordinate, whatever, right? I, I really want to see what's in this letter because I've heard this story like 10 times. I still don't know what was in this letter. Okay. Literally, I didn't say anything crazy. It was just very direct. It was you know, I don't even remember specifically what was in there. It was just very direct. It was. A.K.A. I said some crazy things. I did not say anything crazy. I did not. I did okay. not. All I said was that we have a strong issue. We haven't been meeting for now a month. And I would really appreciate if we could please meet to address this issue. Mm. Now, stated like that, it probably seemed a little passive aggressive or just straight aggressive. But he was like me for a straight month and these kids were not being educated okay as a social worker that was something i really couldn't let go okay mm-hmm. anyway so my supervisor comes in he we he wants to have this meeting so we go to the meeting you know and he says you know your social worker wrote me this letter and she's trying to demand that we meet and blah 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 and i was like honestly i'm just really concerned about our children and I was like, you know, I've been trying to meet with you for a month now to address this, and we have a meeting. And he looks at me and says, yeah, that's because I was purposefully avoiding you. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was like, okay then. <laughs> right? So, you know, I try to take the humble approach, and I really apologize. I was like, you know, I'm very sorry. I didn't mean to offend you. I just, I know that we both share. This is where, you know, my social worker mind started kicking in. Okay, I have to, you know, 
talk about his strengths for a little bit. He needs to hear this. So I'm like, you know, I know how much you care about the kids. And you and I see eye to eye on that so much. And we both care about these kids. I really want to, you know, join efforts and really try to get them help make sure that they're getting equal opportunity education. Because we all know that, you know, kids who miss a certain number of days are more likely to drop out later. You know, just research. Just trying to state, you know, this is something we both know, um, you know, that, we just want to make sure these kids have an equal chance at success as well, right? So the meeting ends. Everything's fine. Like I said, I didn't take a combative approach, which that's a tip right there for y'all. If, you, if you're working with someone difficult, try not to take the combative approach. Maybe my direct letter was moderately combative. But, <laughs> you know, <laughs> anyway, you know, I really did try to be cordial and smooth things over. So I think everything's fine, right? So I go back to my office Later on that day, I walk past him. I'm still feeling a little frustrated. So, you know, I just give him a polite smile. Keep walking. He's like, hey, Mrs. House, come here. I was like, hey. He's like, so let me see your hand real quick. And I put my hand out. And he literally, literally, you guys, he smacks my hand as if I'm a young child who he's chastising and says, for next time, you'll know better, right? When I tell you that I had to bite my tongue, like I've never bit my tongue before, I probably could have filed like a, har- a harassment suit at this point, right? Uh-huh. But I walked away, chose to finish the year, whatever, definitely uh, talked the year off of my supervisor quite strongly after that and was like, do you know what this man just did? Uh, so yes, all y'all working with some difficult bosses. I know where you're coming from. And especially if you're a female working in a male-dominated environment, which most educators are not. It's mostly a female-dominated environment. But, you know, I'm just saying. I I feel you. (laughs) uh, It's so so funny because this event probably happened maybe 10 years ago. And you still feel the same way you felt. Because the man slapped my hand (laughs) like I was a small child. Not a working professional in an environment. Oh, I can't. I can't even. I can't even. Anyway, wow. okay. Wow. <laughs> Silver lining. Brendan's over here laughing, but, but let me tell y'all, he would not like. He, he's anyway. <laughs> <laughs> what you gotta say? What you gotta say now? Well, we're like. I mean, you're laughing now, but were you okay with this man slapping me? No, as a a caring husband. That <laughs> no, honestly. Like, it, it, it professionally or personally, I think that it was just a bad choice. But, you know, in every profession, in every job, there's always that one person that's always going to do dumb stuff. And, um, you know, we, we've had some interactions with this person before in other scenarios. And so I, I think when you came home and told me the story, I didn't um, I wasn't super surprised. I mean, it, yeah, obviously it was super unprofessional. And if you're a leader, I highly recommend not doing that if you want to keep your job. Um, but, yeah. Which know. he ended up losing his job the next year. Yeah. But. So, you know, I just think uh, it didn't come as a surprise because of the actions that he had taken in other scenarios. So, yeah. True story. So, silver lining. <laughs> I don't even know. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. No, I would say... Just keep fighting for what you strongly like. I think you have to keep fighting for kids no matter what. And even though that was his response was to call my supervisor and was to, you know, slap my hand and tell me he was purposely avoiding me and all that jazz. 
Um, you know, I, I kept then trying to problem solve, well, how am I going to get this man on my side so that we can work together? Cause obviously anyone knows this. I mean, you're not going to work, you're not going to accomplish anything without the support of your principal. If you're working at a school, good luck. Uh, you have to, especially if you're trying to do like broad school wide change, which is what we were trying to accomplish with new attendance policies and support for attendance policies, whatever. So I knew that I had to take a different approach. And so I really you know, just had to evaluate, okay, how am I approaching him and how am I going to get him on my team? And eventually I was able to get him on my side and see that attendance was an issue. And I just kept having little bits of information conversations with him so that he eventually did see my point of view. I found that the non-direct approach with him worked better than the direct approach. And so I think that if you're an educator and you see that something is affecting your students and you're something really passionate about it, even if you're being stopped, I would say keep trying to find a way to, you know, get your principal on your team uh, in a way that's still respectful because even if they act unprofessionally or don't see things from your side, you have to figure out a way to still maintain your integrity and uh, maintain professional professionality. <laughs> Is that a word? Professionalism. <laughs> Thank you. That's the word I'm looking for. I'm like, that didn't, that didn't sound right. <laughs> so you have to find a way to, you know, maintain your professionalism and yeah, uh, figure out how to get things accomplished. Yeah. Um, okay. The, and and one, one thing that I think that you brought up that I think we may need to bring up in, in a later podcast is just talking about how to overcome some of the adult challenges that happen at schools. Uh, you know, myself as a leader, I think that's something that is extremely important is maintaining a solid adult culture and so it may be helpful just to have some tips and some tricks on how to overcome those challenges and get your principal on your side or um, you know meeting face to face with a, a colleague that you're just not seeing eye to eye with and how and how do you overcome those challenges so that may be something we'll talk about in the future all right so here's the last round uh, instead of me picking a number or you picking a number for me, you can go through your list right now and pick the story that you absolutely want to tell. Okay. <laughs> so which story do you want to tell? And then I'll go last and I'll tell my my story. Okay. Um, I haven't told a funny student story yet. I've told some adult stories, right? Mm -hmm. Told me making social worker mistakes. I've told my dealing with difficult principals. So I'll tell a random uh, kid story. So my office was located in the hallway in between the bathroom for the upper school and the bathroom for the lower school. So I had access to both bathrooms. And if you, obviously you guys know you work at a school, you all know that everything goes down in the bathroom, Right. So to my right would be the middle school bathroom. And sometimes I'd hear all types of things going on there. I'd bust kids doing all types of dumb stuff, you know, and send them back to class, let their teachers know what they were doing. And then to my left was the little kid bathroom. Now, granted, not much drama ever really happened in the little kid bathroom. It was like K through three would use that little tiny bathroom and not much occurred. But one day I'm sitting in my office and all of a sudden I hear a whole bunch of second graders screaming, oh my goodness, stop, what are you doing? No. And I was like, 
<laughs> what is happening? You know, because, it's, I mean, it's dead silent, you know. So I run out to the hallway. It's the boys' bathroom. And I'm like, boys, what is happening? And I hear one of the kids yell, this kid's pooping in the sink. I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> I have to run into the bathroom and one of these little kids, these second graders, is literally perched over the sink, pooping in it. And I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I had to go and all the bathrooms were full. It's like, oh my gosh. Right? So there's poop everywhere in the sink. The kids are all screaming. I'm like, I don't even know what to do. I don't even know how the kid got up there, right? So I'm like, uh, okay. So I like send one of the kids to go get their teacher because I'm like, y'all need to get your teacher. Like, because I really didn't know what to do at that point. <laughs> so got the teacher, got the custodian, got it all cleaned up. But that happened in one bathroom. Meanwhile, later that week, I hear the biggest crash I've ever heard in my entire life. I'm sitting in my office getting a report done. And I hear a huge crash coming from the middle school bathroom. Now, obviously, if I hear something from the middle school bathroom happening, I always assume this is going to be horrible, right? I can't tell if it's better or worse, but I go in there and the entire ceramic sink has been ripped out of the wall and is now crashed on the floor because one of my bigger eighth grade girls sat on the sink and it literally fell out of the wall. Now the pipe has burst. There's water flowing everywhere. (laughs) Ceramic is everywhere. And she's like, you can't tell anyone, Mrs. House. I'm like, what do you I can't tell anyone. There's water everywhere in a broken sink. Like, oh, what wow. do you mean I can't tell anyone? So it was an adventurous week that week uh, in the bathrooms. Yeah. That, <laughs> that sounds pretty crazy. Yep. Apparently your students didn't like the sinks, but. I don't even know. So silver lining, uh, make sure you always have adult supervision before kids go into a bathroom because you never know what's going to happen in there. <laughs> Good point. Good point. I've seen lots of crazy things in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, speaking of bathrooms, uh, I have a, a very funny bathroom story as well. Um, and caution, you know, if this this story is not for the faint of heart. <laughs> but, uh, this is uh, probably the craziest thing. I'm, I'm literally scarred for life from <laughs> this situation. So... Um, Early on in my career, I was still trying to figure out, you know, classroom management, routine systems, that type of thing. And I had a mentor teacher um, when I first became a fifth grade teacher. She said to me, whatever you do, don't let your fifth graders go to the bathroom and just keep asking to go to the bathroom. You have to have a system. You have to figure out what the system is. So if they ask to use the bathroom, tell them no at least one time. And if you tell them no at least one time and they ask again, then you know they really have to go to the bathroom. So that was always my my idea. But I had one girl. Let's just say her name is Alicia. And so Alicia um, was a big talker in the class. And she sometimes liked doing work. Sometimes she liked not doing work. She liked to talk instead. And so um, I always had to, you know, get alicia straight make sure she was always focused and uh so there was this one day where just things were just a little crazier than normal she was talking more than normal and uh she probably at least 
five times before lunch, before halfway through the day, she had asked to use the restroom. And so it's the second half of the day, we'd come back from recess, and mind you, this is fifth grade, you know, and Alicia keeps coming up to me and she says, Mr. House, I need to go to the restroom. I need to go to the restroom. And now I'm just like completely fed up. I'm like, Alicia, you have been talking all day. You think I'm going to let you go to the restroom now? Like those two are connected in some type of way. Like if you talk, you can't use the restroom. I don't know how that makes sense, but somehow that made sense in my mind. But uh, so I was like, you think you can go to the restroom? No, go sit back down. So she sat back down and I, you know, I see her doing the little potty dance and she's rocking back and forth. And so, I, you know, I look over at her while I'm teaching and I was like, Alicia, you can go after I'm done giving these directions and you can go from there. And so um, so I, I give my directions. But then I was like, you know what? She seems to be focused. I'm not going to let her get up. This is the first time she's not talking all day. I'm going to make sure she's still working. So the kids are doing uh, a little assignment that we're working together in groups. And I just see you do the potty dance again. And so, uh, you know, right when I got ready to tell her she could go to the restroom, a student asked me, could they uh, have some help? So I walked up to the, their desk and I was working. And <laughs> I had a, another boy in class who was a class clown. He was a comedian. And um, he looks over and my back is turned and he looks over at Alicia. And Alicia is like doing this weird movement in the dance. And he looks over at the chair and uh, he says, oh, my goodness, Alicia's bleeding. Oh, my word. <laughs> He's screaming at the top of his lungs. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I didn't know what happened. You know, if if you are a teacher of younger kids, you know, kindergarten, first grade, you don't necessarily have this challenge. But fifth grade girls, uh, this is a time where they are experiencing their first uh, cycle. And so they don't necessarily know how to articulate what's really going on. And me being a male, I, what was I supposed to do? So I'm just like, I, I didn't even know this was a thing. Like, you're okay. in the fifth grade. Okay, like, but you were a married male at that point. Okay, like, in the fifth not, grade? Okay, but you should have known. I mean, <laughs> so, this was not like, un, so like unknown territory to I'm, you. I'm losing my mind, but what was even more hilarious was that was that my boys had literally never experienced anything <laughs> like this before. So their minds were literally blown. And so, you know, they're like, <laughs> so I, I'll never forget. So, we, you know, we got the custodian come in, they're cleaning it up, but you can hear the boys in the background and they're all talking. They're just like, why is Alicia okay? You know, I just never seen anybody bleed from their booty before. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I'm just like, uh, so I had to, you know, try to figure out how I'm going to explain this to everybody. Um, and I was just like, okay, everybody, uh, Alicia is okay. Um, and she'll be all right. You know, these are just some things <laughs> that, that happened. And yeah, it was very general. I didn't know what else to say. I didn't want to like, you know, offend any parents or anything. So I was just like, Alicia will be okay. It, it'll be fine. She, this is just normal. And so <laughs> one of the boys shouts out, he says, it's normal to get shot in your booty. <laughs> and I was like, what? Wait, how do you, <laughs> that's the only way she can bleed from her booty is if she got shot. Mind you, I work in inner city schools, so the student had only experienced things like this before. So the only 
real connection he can make in his mind was that somehow Alicia got shot in her behind, and therefore she came to school bleeding. And that was probably one of the most traumatic events that I've ever had uh, as an educator. <laughs> yeah. So, so what's your silver lining with that one? Huh? Um, <laughs> um, my silver, silver lining. I don't know. I think my silver lining is, um, hmm, I learned that it is important to listen to your students. Um, you know, it's, it's really funny because what came after this was I, Alicia and I, we created the signal. Um, we had a, a conversation with her mom and it really helped us build a, a stronger relationship. And, you know, I think that a lot of times teachers can get into situations where they are not utilizing all of the resources. And for me, Alicia's mom was a, a huge resource. So uh, I explained to her, I was completely honest and just said, hey, you know, I thought Alicia was just trying to get out of class. She had been talking all day. She had been doing a lot of different things. And um, I thought she was just trying to be a distraction. I completely apologize. And mom was forgiving. She understood. She knew that this uh, child had had some issues in some other classes before. And this was nothing out of the out of the ordinary. So I think that the silver lining is learning to use your resources and making sure that you can have open and honest conversations with parents and with the students. Uh, because I said, hey, Alicia, the next time you have this happen, you know, next time just give me a signal. Stick up your thumb. Do a... Uh, cross your fingers or whatever it might be and we'll we'll figure it out from there so yeah wow <laughs> <laughs> don't even know what to say to that yeah i i don't either <laughs> okay so you want to talk about you told me i scarred my kindergartners you scarred her for the rest of her life she will always remember that time in fifth grade where mr house would not let her go to the bathroom and she bled all over herself in the middle of class she will not forget that that was fifth grade that is way worse than my kindergarten story mm, mm. Mm. anyway fifth grade is like the time like especially for females probably for males as well you know where you know you're just you're starting to become very hyper conscious of you know social constructs and people around you and social circles and like it's all very important what people think about you so like yours is way worse that's all i have to say to you so all this harassing you were doing for me that i scarred my little baby kindergartners you scarred her too uh, <laughs> that's all i have to say aren't we encouraging to one another uh, we're just so, so encouraging, encouraging. <laughs> on that note uh, <laughs> on that encouraging note well this was fun thank you elizabeth for being on the podcast anytime i hope that we can do this again we might do like a another round part know? two man part we got two. more embarrassing things there that are us have done. way more embarrassing things that we could do but which let you know educators i mean if you've done dumb stuff it's all right you just pick yourself up keep rolling because there's someone else who's done dumb stuff too <laughs> as long as you're there caring for your kids and making sure you're doing the best for them it's all gonna be all right exactly you know um just kind of reflecting back to what we talked about at the beginning of the podcast. This is a fun time for you just to, you know, we are all in a situation now with this new uh, way of learning with online learning. I know that most of you are probably doing some, some form of that right now and you're going to make some mistakes. You're going to do something that's really just dumb. You know, you didn't even think that you would even be possible of doing something so crazy, but uh, that's all a part of learning. So, you know, I would take this time, just uh, don't take yourself too seriously. 
be a lifelong learner, be a lead learner, and, and just think to yourself about how can you uh, take this mistake that you made and uh, make it better in the future. And, you know, anything that you do that's for our kids, they need you. They need you in the classroom uh, every day. They need you because they may not have anybody else. So continue to do what you do and remember to educate on purpose. Thanks again for listening to this week's podcast. Be sure to check out the show notes and find all of today's helpful resources that were mentioned. Be sure to download the 30-Day Calm Toolkit that I created just for all of the listeners. If you enjoyed this week's podcast, be sure to rate and subscribe on your podcast app. You can find this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and iHeartRadio Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about me, please head over to my website at brandonhousespeaks.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at B underscore House Speaks. Also, don't forget to join me on my Facebook page at facebook.com slash brandonhousespeaks. Thanks a lot for listening, and remember, educate on purpose.